one of the things I love about graphic design is it's so easy to engage with. Whether you're the consumer or the creator, all you have to do is sit down and create. Sitting down to design sports logos, now this is where you develop the skill. Sports design is a universal language. You can look at a uniform and intuitively feel the power and emotion. Regardless of age, race, gender, socioeconomic status, geography, and even time. And that's where my next guest here on the Sports Creative Podcast fits in. The legendary Todd Radom, such a critical creator in the arc of sports design, not just in the United States, but around the world. As a man out there innovating and pursuing his passion, telling stories and representing history in a powerful and profound way. If you're not familiar with Todd Radom, it's an understatement to say he's a truly amazing sports designer. In fact, he's someone as an early creator who bet on himself. Going out on his own as a freelance sports designer before it was cool to go out on your own and along the way created some of the most iconic work over the last 30 years with sports brands such as the NBA and the MLB, but most notably the Super Bowl 38 logo. And he worked with Ice Cube's Big Three League and the Big Three League branding. He's an OG, an entrepreneur, speaker, branding expert, marketing consultant, and author of Winning Ugly and co-authored Fabric of the Game, the stories behind the NHL's names, logos, and uniforms. This conversation is about storytelling, pursuing dreams, and the road to get there. Todd is so articulate and so humble. I know you're going to learn a lot, no matter what mode of creator you see yourself as. Whether you're a storyteller using words, pictures, or video, every creator and entrepreneur out there can identify with Todd's story because it's real. We talk a lot about the journey and the conversation oozes with authenticity. This has been a long time coming. I followed his career for decades. We met at the MLC Connect conference. So if you want to hear about Todd and his journey, you're going to want to tune in and stay tuned in. But before we do, I have a quick favor to ask. We've introduced the new Sports Creatives newsletter. And of course, I'd love for you to sign up and become a member of our community. This isn't a transaction. It's not about my bank account. The newsletter is free. And of course, we want to grow our efforts. This is about the hashtag SM Sports community and the sports creative community. It's about sharing resources and tips. It's about understanding that if we harness our individual creativity and knowledge and use it not just to make things, but to grow our overall community, to inspire each other and the next generation of storytellers. So it's super simple. Go to www sportscreativepodcast.com forward slash subscribe and sign up. That's it. Now, do you know anyone who needs a nudge? Share it with them. Tell them that you're a member and send it along the way. This would mean everything to me. It's so important that we really rally together to grow our shared creative space in the college and professional sports. 
That's my ask of you. Thank you so very much. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hey, Todd, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for the opportunity. I know we've been talking about doing this for a while, so uh, it is great to talk with you. Yeah, no, I love it. You know, and I and I shared this with you is that when I started the show, I had like a list of 30 names. It's like my dream list of people. If I could get these folks down for a conversation, your name was at the top of that list. So I really wanted to happen at the right time. It's happening now. I think the conversation we're going to have is so timely. So first of all, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, and uh, yeah, I, I can't help but think that uh, with all of us locked in for all of these months, any conversation's a good one, but this one is especially good. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So you know my style. We're going to jump right into things, and I want to talk about this term that keeps coming up, right? You get emails with it. You, you hear it on the news. You hear it in the media. We're living in unprecedented times, and it's so true, right? We know it's true. We don't always want to hear it, but we know it's true. Um, but it kind of reminds me of what my grandmother used to say. And she used to say, everything old is new again, right? And so I want to talk about where we are because you went out on your own in 1990, right? This was before building a brand was built big, before every you know artist, at least in, in this realm that you helped create, were doing this. And in the process, you've built an incredible career, an incredible life and family along the way. And, and, and what I want to talk about is that so many creatives are introverted, right? We're, we're inside of our own head. And I want to talk about how you got past the fear, the, the, the maybe the unknown, and maybe even how did you get out of your own way to make this happen? Wow, it's a good question, Jay, and there's a lot to unpack here. So, yes, as you said, 1990, uh, dove off the, uh, the into the deep end of the pool, as it were, started <laughs> working for myself, smack in the middle of a recession, which, let's face it, compared to what everybody is going through now, uh, it is minimal, but it's what I had to deal with at the time. Similar so, times. Yeah, I mean, so to back it up, I am very fortunate in that uh, I come from a family of artists. I am a fourth-generation working artist, as I say. My dad was uh, kind of a creative jack-of-all-trades, was a photographer at one point, a a designer, a copywriter. He made it work. He made a living. My grandfather, his father, was an illustrator and a painter. Uh, and we go back and back and back. I got a, a cousin who was a jazz drummer. His parents were um, an actress and a draftsman and a fine artist. And wow. I have a brother who's a photographer. I have a niece who's a graphic designer. So what I'm trying to say, Jay, is that um, you know when I did go off on my own, uh, first of all, getting into a career in the arts, much less freelancing, was not necessarily something that was encouraged, but it was never discouraged. And that was very big. I always say that my my creative role models, you know, happily for me, were all around me. And, uh, you know, these people were able to make a living, you know, the solid middle class living being a creative. So just to finish up the answer to your question really quickly, my my paternal grandmother, who was born in 1910, so it's a long time ago, went to Parsons School of Design here in New York back in the 30s. Uh, and, uh, you know, just a, a, a creative force and presence for me to this day. 
when I decided to go off on my own, we were talking and, you know, she was in her, you know, she was 80 years old then. Uh, she said, you know, listen, she said, uh, you remember, you know, there were weekends that your grandfather would get a job on a Friday morning and, you know, our weekend plans were just shot. And I'm like, yep, out the window. Yeah. And then she said to me, she said, you do know that, you know, every month doesn't mean that you're going to be making money. I know. <laughs> and lastly, she said, you do know that when you build a job out, it's going to take, you know, a month to get paid. And I was doing freelance work. So I said, oh, yeah, I know. And Jay, I will tell you right now, she looked at me, she said, you'll be fine. And wow. all these years later, and she's no longer here, I'm fine. Wow. Man, I love that story. That's incredible. So so really being a creative entrepreneur, it's really in your DNA. And it, it is, you know, I like to say, you know, all the time, if people can see it, they can do it. Is that, you know, like, what did you learn when you were looking up? You had, you know, your cousin that you talked about, your dad, your grandmother. Like, what did you learn from them about making a life and a career as a creative entrepreneur? I think the most important lesson that I saw firsthand growing up is that it's not a straight line up. You're never going to retire at all, <laughs> which, you know, the, the prototypical career, at least up until recently, I think, was one that, you know, somebody worked at a place and at a certain age they retired and they got a gold watch and a party and went away. If you're a creative person, uh, we are very lucky to do what we, I think, we're born to do and things that we love to do. So, uh, you know, there, there, it is not a straight line up. There, there are ups and downs. It's a meandering road. But I did see firsthand, Jay, that it was a, uh, a rewarding path. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's an interesting career. And every day, uh, you know, you got to reach deep within yourself and, and um, look to these things that you, you know, enjoy doing and hopefully can do well and uh, meld it with the, uh, you know, with with all of these other things that it takes to make a business run. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting you talk about that. And I want to ask you, like, what are some of the more technical, hard edge things that you learn from? Because, you you know, I think sometimes when I talk to other creative entrepreneurs, like, you know, many, if not most, have like some sort of a set routine or how they're working, where they're working, how that looks and managing that. Right. So you have consistency, you know, day to day and over a long period of time. Is Are those some things you also picked up from your family or were those things that you kind of just developed and learned on your own throughout the process? I think I developed these on my own. And of course, you know, when we are, uh, you know, works in progress, 17, 18 years old, going to college, whatever, you know, none of us should be expected to know what we're going to do or what we're going to be like when we come out the other end. But I will say that uh, early on, uh, you know, post-college, certainly, I developed a, a pretty uh, I think consistent routine uh, in the sense that I do like structure. I'm not a person who's entirely comfortable with uh, changes, big changes in my life. Um, so, you know, the idea of starting the workday uh, at a reasonable hour every day, 8, 8.30, whatever it may be, even when I was commuting in and working for other people um, and uh, ending it at a certain point, being able to hopefully, you know, shut the gate and close that part of it off, I, I think it's really valuable. I do lead a pretty structured life in a lot of ways, and I always, always, always say to, um, you know, younger folks that are looking for some, some career advice, if possible, if possible, you know, 
think about the fact that we have 24 hours in each of our days. Eight hours should be allocated to work, eight to sleep, and eight for something else entirely, whatever that may be. And uh, I'm, I'm uh, like everyone, it's, it's hard to shut it off. It's hard to embrace that. It's hard to keep to that part of the discipline. But it's important to at least be mindful of. Yeah. No, I, I love it. <clears throat> I love everything that you're talking about, because I think that's the real grit and grind of, of, of making the life that you want. I always like to say that the people that we look up to, people like yourself and others, uh, their lives are made. So I really love that. Um, and I want to talk to you about something because I, I have a saying, I say that good gets you in the door, right? And and everyone is good these days, right? With the technology and the tools that are available to people. Um, how did you set yourself apart to get hired for designing logos for companies like, you know, the Los Angeles uh, Angels, you know, Super Bowl, the, you know, you've worked with the NBA on, on different projects, the all-star logo. So many creatives struggle to build a brand and that's unique. And you you did this before everyone was talking about building personal brands. Um, and you did this early. What are some of the things that you've learned to set yourself out? Because I can look at your work. It's very distinct in your design. You know, how, how did you go about that? And what kind of ideas went into that process when you were developing your style and your brand? It is so interesting, Jay. I, I feel like, you know, with everything in life, uh, you know, luck, uh, as I believe Branch Rickey said, is the residue of design. And it's so <laughs> fitting. I love us, that. Right? So, yeah. you know, part of it is being lucky and being born at the right time, candidly. Uh, to your point, there are so many people doing amazing, amazing work out there. Well, I'm going to go, you know, and say when I was, you know, 20, 23 years old, uh, it was uh, it was hard to get noticed. It really was. And uh, back in those days, you know, just um, you know, you, before we, you know, before we had an internet, before we were doing this work uh, digitally, uh, you literally had a portfolio. A portfolio meaning a box which contained samples, and you would haul this thing all over. In my case, New York City, wow. drop it off with companies, and they had you know set dates. The, uh, you know, we accept drop-offs from designers on Wednesday, leave it in the lobby, and come back after 4 o'clock. And sometimes, more often than not, actually, you would pick your portfolio up, and there would be a note in there saying, you know, thank you for dropping off your book. Uh, if anything comes up, we'll let you know. Wow. Um, so just perseverance with that. But I will say also that, you know, right out of the shoot, uh, I had sort of a niche. And I don't know that it's necessarily secret sauce, but uh, I was a um, a letterer, like a literal hand letterer back then. I am still a letterer. But back then I was doing it with uh, ink, with rapidograph pens on uh, vellum pads. And this was a very specialized uh, thing and a very well-paid thing way back in the day. And so I found myself at the age of 21, 22, 23 years old working with Ogilvy & Mather, uh, big advertising agencies at O&M. Uh, I was doing logos and lettering for the AT&T and American Express accounts. So this is, you know, high stakes, high profile stuff. And, um, you know, uh, I dug in and, and got my foot in doors and, you know, made sure it stayed in there. Wow. So I have to ask you about this. So obviously before you got in, you were designing book, you know, book covers, you worked with, you know, large accounts, ad agencies. How did that play into your career? And I, and I asked this because I know sometimes, you know, you talked about that 
you know, earlier you said that that success is not like a linear line, right? Just like straight, right? There's jags along the way, step back sideways. How do you feel like those experiences helped you? Because it sounds like when you were talking, you also learned, did you learn how to kind of focus on some some specific things? Because I look at your career, right? And you, you know, many people consider you like the foregone expert on, you know, uh, sports graphic design aesthetics on ba- on baseball uniforms and, and, and sports design. Did those formative years, were those helpful in, in the career that you end up having after that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's an interesting and a very good question because, um, yeah, I mean, you know, first and foremost, my I think second or third job out of college, I was working in a large book publishing company uh, in a department just cranking out book covers. I mean, you know, there was just huge pressure to just you know get get this stuff done, and you know, it was high profile, and the stuff had to look good. So I think that the you know to to put that part of my my working career, even if it was early, into a little compartment, what that taught me was. Uh, you got to be on every day, and it's visible stuff. And you know, you you gotta you gotta come in in the morning ready to make the donuts. Uh, there's not a day off. <laughs> so you know, so that was that part of it. And then at the same time, I mean, again, like I said, I was you know doing some freelance work on the side, and that was about reputation. Um, and it became very apparent to me early on that uh, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Again, there's that foot in the door. Do good work. Uh, be a good person. Be an ethical person. And uh, they're going to come back to you. And, uh, you know, it allowed me to um, keep, uh, I don't necessarily, again, it's along the lines of, of a meandering path. It's not climbing up the ladder, but it's spreading outward, uh, essentially, and, and, you know, casting a wide net for good and rewarding and hopefully fun work. Mm. Just dropping more nuggets, man. So I got to, I want to, I want to jump up because this is a project that I've, I've heard you speak about um, at the MLC Connect. Obviously, we've all seen the work, the project, you know, I'm talking about the big three project with Cube, Ice Cube. I don't know him. I shouldn't, I don't know if I can just call him Cube, but I mean, I feel like listening to his music and watching his Cube. I'll speak okay. for him. <laughs> okay. So you work with Cube and, and this is later. So we're jumping a little bit. We're just as later, you know, obviously you have a long way left in your career. But this isn't like early. It's not even mid. You're like you're established, very established at this point in time in your career. I want to talk to you about that and those moments. And what did you learn on that project? Wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, to your point, Jay. Uh, you know, sometimes you know you you build up to something, and I'm I'm a believer in faith to some extent, and mm-hmm. I do believe that getting involved with this project was the culmination of everything else that, that came before. I could not have done uh, the work for Big Three with Ice Cube had it not been for my, you know, X number of years working with all these other things, going all the way back to those earliest days that we just spoke about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why is that? Uh, I have always likened it to, you know, uh, a, a quarterback being able to see the field peripherally. The great quarterbacks, the ones who are veterans, don't have to be Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, but, you know, they talk about being able to see the entirety of the field. Mm. And I feel like uh, when this job came along, I, you know, was at the point in my life and in my career where I could, uh, I had great peripheral vision. 
So what does that mean? It means, you know, we're starting something from scratch. This league that really it's not based in cities, you know, there is no history, no equity attached to it at all. You are baking this meal from scratch. And to talk about the uh, Bill Parcells <laughs> famous <laughs> quote about, you know, making the meal, buying the groceries, yeah. setting the table, the whole thing. Yeah, so, you know, being able to look holistically at this new league that was going to be broadcast on national TV and having the opportunity to design every single piece of this thing from uh, team identities, uniforms, the court, the championship trophy, you know, um, environmental graphics, just an amazing, amazing opportunity. And also working with a guy who is a a creative force and a a good person as well. Uh, It's been a great partnership. So, so when you go into this, right, and you, and do you feel like again, or, or what parts of your experiences led, right? Because I, like, I heard, I, I heard you do a presentation where you talked about, you know, Cube called you up and said, "Hey, we need a trophy." Yeah. Right, and it, and I love it. it. Looks like nothing else in sport. It's so amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, part of that was you know, a a lean, hungry, small league. Uh, and the decision makers, you know, there's just a handful of people, uh, and I've been fortunate to be, you know, in that mix with them. So, you know, it's kind of like, we're going to need a championship trophy. <laughs> who can, who, who's going to step up and get this done? And, uh, you know, there, there are people on this, this email string. Uh, and of course I got to raise my hand and say, I think I know who to call and, uh, mm-hmm. through various contacts. You know, you know the way these things work. Uh, yeah. You know, and and here's doing this at a certain point in my career. You, you get a very deep rolodex of of people, friends, associates, trusted, you know, trusted companions, all this stuff. Uh, I via somebody that I had uh, met was connected with a small um, husband wife operation, really, that they make the Kentucky Derby Trophy, um, and oh, wow. uh, they they have been operating, I believe, since the 1860s, family business. So these people are craftsmen, and uh, they make the big three trophies. So, you know, go to them, uh, get this thing sourced, work with them designing it. They take it to the next level, make it into this incredibly special, valuable object, and, uh, and, and got it shipped across the country for the championship game, which might have been the most difficult aspect of the whole thing. It was certainly nerve-wracking. <laughs> wow. And so you, you have this experience where you end up sourcing materials, working with the vendor. What about the uniforms? Was that a similar type of experience? Or how did that, you know, not just designing them and, and, and what we ultimately or see on the court, how did that kind of go down? Yeah, same kind of thing, Jay. Uh, you know, we, we are launching this league um the, the press conference to launch the thing occurred on in January of um, of 2017, uh, and uh, tip off was going to be you know in, in late June. So it's not a huge runway. We hear all the time, and for a reason that uh, you know changes for for visual identities for teams generally take a year and a half. Right. I mean, this isn't the, the NFL. You know, totally. I mean, you're not going to have a you know, this this big a presence or uh, as big a need from a licensing perspective of producing stuff and getting it distributed, but uh, a very short runway. So, um, you know, a couple months went by, 
<clears throat> wound up designing this stuff, just, you know, and all of a sudden we're getting into April, May, and uh, we need to have it manufactured. And honestly, there were discussions at that time with some of the big apparel guys, you know, to come aboard and get this done. Well, things weren't coming together as quickly as we wanted them to come together. And so it came down to me to <laughs> to get the stuff manufactured. And so I had a trusted wow. source. Uh, and and that was a little bit of a challenge. So uh, got, I, I will tell you right now, I was giving a talk to AIGA Adirondack mm-hmm. up in the beautiful Adirondacks of upstate New York. I was checking into my hotel, and uh, my phone rings, and it is Ice Cube. And he literally says to me, I'm not sleeping real well these days. What's the matter? I think we got to pull the trigger on this. I'm like, you give me the go-ahead, and we're going to get it done. Uh, three days later, something like that, I was on a plane to North Carolina, got the things produced. They look great, and um, and they continue to look great. So there you go. Wow. Wow. I'm trying to tell you, man, and we're going to get into your books and your writing and being an author. But this, I mean, this sounds like a book because I know there's so much more to it. So I, <laughs> I love this, man. Like I could, I always say I could talk to you all day long, man. Um, but I want to talk, you, you talked to us earlier, you were talking about veteran quarterbacks in the vision. And obviously you're an OG to this game, right? Like one of the, 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 the people that like set this whole thing up. And I want to talk to you about this. One of the things I've really been wanting to talk to you about, because I feel like we're in a space where it's so easy to get consumed in our own world as designers, as creatives, as storytellers. How do you go about staying creatively fresh so that you stay relevant, right? To retain clients, to get more work to, right? So, you know, you're working with Cube. So obviously you are, you know, when that project went down, you were someone that was, that was sought after, how do you go about that of, of getting outside of your own world? Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, I I always say this, Jay, and and I sincerely believe it to be true. To be a creative person, no matter what your you know what point of your career you're at, um, you you got to have a couple of things going for you. You have to have a sense of curiosity about the world, and uh, you should be uh, hopefully uh, able to be inspired by things no matter what your age. Um, and sometimes they are unusual things, right? And that never stops. I mean, so it's kind of like, you know, well, truly learning, right? You should never yeah. stop learning. Yeah. You should never, you know, and I, I think that, that creative folks are, uh, you know, to stereotype to some degree, we, uh, you know, we're in a good place with that. Now, the flip side of that is we are all every single one of us uh we are we are tempered uh you know our confidence is tempered by by uh you know uh, a, a lack of of uh you know security quite often we have imposter syndrome yep. we all do yep. you know yep. and um you know it it is it is an absolute fact that as creative folks every one of our successes should we have them are built upon a mountain of failures. So what does that mean to a graphic designer? It means that, you know, your logo, if that's what it is, that emerges out of the end of this long, torturous process, um, it is filled with revisions. It's filled with people telling you that your <laughs> your instincts and your work were wrong. <laughs> right. And it's humbling. It yeah. is really humbling. Yeah. And if you lose that sense of, you know, of... of uh, 
of of all of it, uh, well, you're not going to survive in this yeah. business. So what? So what are some of the things you do? I know some people are listening, say, "Hey, man, what does Todd do?" I mean, what does the OG do to did that's outside of uh, you know creative and design to that their hobbies or things that you enjoy? It's a great question. I uh, do love to travel, and I think that one of the best things for me to do to get out of my own space which is very difficult these days, Jay. <laughs> it's not <laughs> happening. Is to, right. Uh, right. It, whether it's, you know, uh, a, 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 uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, a, a vacation around the world, but to get out, to walk down streets, to hear people that sound and look different from I am, mm. um, is inspired. And I think it's very important. It's important that we surround ourselves with uh, diversity in every sense. It makes me a better designer, yeah. makes me a better human being. So that's part of it. And that could even be walking down the street in a neighborhood in New York City that uh, I don't go to all the time and taking a 40-minute or, or half-hour or hour walk. Um, it's good. Uh, I always say, you know, it's, it's important. I really believe it to be important for creative people to read books read actual books wow you don't hear words. this advice often why, why do you feel like that's so important Todd? uh we are communicators and if you read especially if you're reading good stuff you are makes you a better communicator you're you're you know you just kind of take the words in by rote i truly believe it to be the case um you know and and i try to read different kinds of stuff me personally, I am not a huge TV guy, which is not to disparage anybody else who might be. But uh, you know, we're all we're all uh, stress reading the news these days. We're doom scrolling Twitter and all that stuff. And I am as bad a uh, you know an example of that as anybody else. But escaping into a book for a half an hour a day or more, it's it's a good thing. Makes me that to. Uh, better person, better creative person. Yeah. I mean, that's great advice. 30 minutes or more a day of reading. Um, because you, you said something to me, uh, one time we were talking, you were, you said, quote, you were living at work. It's so, <laughs> right, right. do you <laughs> so remember true. saying that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, we talked about this and, uh, I said, all of us, all of us these days, we are not working from home. We are <laughs> living at work and, Jay, we are, you know, again, I'll come back to it. It's a blessing and a curse to be a creative person. The blessing is the fact that, uh, you know, we love what we what we do, and it yeah. can become very addictive. Yeah. It really can be. So it's hard to turn off. So, you know, it's not like you walk out at 5 p.m. and turn the light off and lock up and come back tomorrow. None of right. us does this. Nah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a constant challenge. Yeah, I think that's so timely. I, I know a lot of creatives right now are are really uh, out of a lot of good places, right? You know, some the uncertainty, you know, will you have a job? Won't you have a job? So I know that there's this desire for many of us to to want to always be on the, you know, electronic devices, always be working. But I love it because I feel like what you're saying is so timely to get out there. You know, if you can't take the trip around the world because of, if, you know, everything that's going on, take a trip, um, like you said, to a grocery store, down the street, walk, see something we haven't seen before. So I, I really love that. Um, and one of the things I really um, kind of brings me to my next topic I want to talk to you about, because one of the things we talk about all the time on here is creative leadership, uh, a topic not always explored um, for different reasons. But how would you describe your leadership Scott, style? Yeah, it's interesting, Jay. I, you know, 
I'm a little bit of a, an outlier because of the fact that I've worked by myself, for myself, for right. all of these years. So, you know, it's not like I have uh, been in-house and had a, a creative team underneath and, you know, being an art director, creative director. And, and let me just back it up and say, I feel like I, I fell off the uh, career bandwagon uh, all those years ago because I didn't want to direct the art. I wanted to create the art. Mm. Uh, so... You know, um, and and I still feel that way t- today. But I do get to you know be a consultant and be part of a team and and collaborate as well. But to get to your question, I think you know it's interesting. Uh, the older I get, you know, you see how people handle themselves. Uh, I think in every sense, and it is a very hard thing to define. But I think the best leaders that I see are, uh, you know, an experience tells me this, observation tells me this, are usually people who build consensus, mm-hmm. let people get their say in, yep. um, make them feel appreciated, yeah. uh, and and, uh, and and then take decisive action. One of the things that, that I do is a, I wouldn't call it a side hustle, but as a volunteer effort, I am the chairman of the board of um, the Alumni Association of my college, the School of Visual Arts wow. in New York. So, you know, there's a big, well-established yeah. school, and I've got a board of colleagues, and, you know, we go through some serious stuff. We've got to, you know, building consensus and and sometimes getting yelled at <laughs> or, or spoken to, uh, let people vent, let people have their say, yeah. go around the room, yeah. know when to cut them off. It's a hard thing. But but leadership, uh, you know, I, I think ultimately leadership is about consensus and about not, um, you know, uh, it, it has to do with the, the seeing things in a different way and appreciating different kinds of people. Yeah, no, I really love it. I, I know it's not a topic often discussed, but I think it's so important because like you're saying, when you're, you know, your leadership style, whether people work um, underneath you or you work with people side by side, I think. It'll also help influence, do people want to work with you, right? I mean, when they're looking to hire you to, you know, consult or hire someone to work on a project or, you know, are we someone that people want to work with? So I think that what you said is so key and it's often overlooked because I can't tell you the number of times I get text messages or call from creatives and you know, I think sometimes that's an, an area as an industry we can continue uh, as an industry and individually to continue to grow on our leadership style of how to create an environment that people want to be a part of and feel motivated to to do great work in. Have you found? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you know, what do you what do you think about that? Well, I think you're right. And what I was going to say is, uh, you know, just, you know, having. <laughs> Having having uh, been around the block for as many years as I have, I, I can honestly say that, you know, I, I think that it probably is true for all of us. Our motivations change at various points during our career, as we as we age and as our priorities uh, shift. And you know, you, there are times that you want to make a lot of money. There are times that you you know need to focus on your family. Maybe yep, yep. Um, there are times that yeah, I mean, and it's just you know everybody's different, and our places in life are all different. Yeah. Um, so being a leader, you know, at this point in my life and in my career, also has to do with hopefully being a good mentor to people, mm-hmm. being a good uh, role model. <laughs> if that's the right expression, it's one that I don't always embrace. But, you know, um, again, 
I mentioned a word earlier in the conversation, which was, you know, I think being an ethical person, right? And what does that mean? You know, from a business relationship standpoint, it is, uh, you know, working within the scope, delivering, uh, being a good colleague, being a good partner, this kind of thing. And, um, you know, that, that extends to uh, hopefully being somebody who, you know, you're you know, our, our, our reputation, I think, is as important as our work. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Yeah, and shout out to you. It's something that I, I really say, and I don't think I've ever told you before, but something I've really uh, admired that you do because I know some creatives, one of them, which we've talked about is Britt Davis, who, who I know you've mentored over the years. And so when I listen to some of the creatives um, over the years that you've advised and mentored and helped, like, it's like, yeah, I want to, you know, it's really inspired me to want to be that for other people. So it's something that I think that you've really, you know, uh, that you really excel and do well. So I really want to give you a shout out on that. And thank you for all your contributions, not, not just your work. I mean, like your, the energy you pour into other people. Well, I appreciate that, Jay. It's nice to hear. And, you know, you mentioned Britt Davis, and that is an example of somebody who I cannot imagine a better person, human being, uh, a more talented designer, somebody who is a creative force. And I see her as, uh, you know, a just the perfect example of somebody I admire and I look up to, even though our ages are so much different, I consider her like family. And, you know, it goes beyond being, you know, there are a lot of talented people out, out there. But, uh, you know, this is the kind of person that, that uh, I would want my my own children to be, you know, when they get to her age, which is not that long from now. But uh, I admire I admire her and a lot of people in our industry so much. And, um, you know, it's like anything else. You want to if you invest your time, uh, the dividend on that, if you want to look at it that way, is uh, seeing them uh, being successful and seeing them become leaders. Yeah. What an amazing thing. Yeah. And Britt Davis, for, for those who don't know, she's with the a designer with the Atlanta Falcons and the organization owns it as well as uh, a partner in the locker room, which does tremendous work. <clears throat> okay, so I have to talk to you about this, right? Because, you know, creative leadership, one of the things I love, uh, I also love talking about creative entrepreneurship on this show. And you've built an illustrious career. So what are some of your key, I like to call them tenets, I know it sounds formal, but, you know, <laughs> tenets or philosophies or things that you have, because you know, you and I have talked about this. Creatives, we're talking about the history. It goes back thousands of years. We've not always done a great job sometimes of building a career, as you kind of alluded to earlier, or making sure we have, uh, you know, our family uh, situations uh, uh, locked down or structured properly or our finances. What are some of the things that you've done? Because and I'm asking this because just to be transparent, we're in, we're in an environment, right, where some teams are furloughing people. Some people are going to more contract work. And so I'm asking, thinking in mind of that person who may be either going out on their own or maybe they're going to do a side hustle. What what things have you learned that have helped you to be so successful over all these years? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a very timely conversation. And I know we have talked about this before. I think it's imperative upon any of us to understand the business part of how whatever we're doing works. And that could be from the the you know, in a, in a very big macro sense, but in a micro sense, it's about our own business. Yeah. What is your worth? What is, you know, you know, understanding that, that again, uh, for a uh, project basis kind of person like I am, 
And uh, and very candidly, somebody who did not exactly come from a trust fund. Okay, right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, I I went went off to you know at 18 years old, I was living at the Y in New York City and going to college. <laughs> and I love it. You know, uh, so I've I've always been very conscious of um, you know of, of investing wisely in mm-hmm. myself and whatever money came along. And what does that mean? It means I could totally remember being, you know, 22 years old. At that time, I was probably making $12,000 a year, something like that, but putting some of that aside and, uh, you know, just being responsible about it, right? And yeah, yeah. it doesn't mean that uh, I wasn't having a good time going out and doing things, but, you know, keeping uh, keeping records, uh, another example of this. I am a meticulous researcher with regard to my work. And this extends to my record keeping. Wow. So being able to uh, balance out my ledger books to the penny, I do it all myself. When you work for yourself, uh, you know, I think it's always important to remember you are a lot of things. You're the, you know, I, I'll bring back my grandmother again, uh, Jay. And I'll, I love it. I'll say, uh, you know, I remember her saying to my grandfather, I married you for better or for worse, but not for lunch. Go get your own lunch. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, oh, so you gotta make your lunch. Yeah. So you gotta make your lunch. You gotta you gotta take out the trash. You gotta keep your books to whatever extent. Uh you gotta put money away. You gotta know where it's going and be disciplined with it. It's really important. And at this point in my life, I'm happy I've done all those things because uh I am uh, I have just finished up paying for one college education and now I'm on to the next. Wow. Okay, I mean, you're just dropping dimes for people. If they're not listening, I, I'm not sure how else to help them when, <laughs> when the OG t- gives you the blueprints. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I want to talk to you about this. You, you alluded to it a little bit earlier about reading. And, you know, I was, you know, doing some research for the interview and I was trying to think of all the things that I know that you do and then, you know, looking further. And, you know, I, I and I'm, this is not an exhaustive list, but, you know, an entrepreneur, right? A branding expert, marketing consultant, um, a author. Right. And you've got a book. I, I think you and I had talked about this. Like I was uh, talking to you, uh, talking about you uh, to a friend. And uh, I think uh, one of my devices picked it up because I got a little notification that Winning Ugly is now available. Uh, is it in paperback? Is that right? Right now? Right now? Just released recently. Released? Thank you. So Winning Ugly is my, and I'm making air quotes here, Jay, my loving homage (laughs) to some of the most questionable uniforms in the history of Major League Baseball. And it's also a, uh, you know, it it is a book about the evolution of the baseball uniform and addresses certain teams. But anyway, it came out in hardcover in 2018, and it's coming out in paperback right now. So very timely indeed, and uh, yeah, a, a different kind of creative challenge, writing a book keeping to you know you got to submit a manuscript right, um, right. It, it was a it was a different thing and i always say writing makes me a better designer designing makes me a better writer yeah and and, and i'm gonna say this you talked about writing i i encourage everybody go get the book right support people in our space who are creatives who are storytellers go out and get that book it's a good book um and 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 so i, I hope that folks do that um because i'm really big it's like you know if you believe in like small businesses and you want them in your neighborhood then you know you have to actually go buy something from so um i'm gonna get down yeah. from my soapbox on that one <laughs> but i want to talk to you <laughs> right yeah i want to talk to you about being an author and and the legacy you want to leave behind because when i look at your career i mean it's it's really hard todd to say uh 
he was one thing. I think more recently, and we look at folks that we call, and I'm going to steal your idea and use the air quotes, uh, influencers, right? And a lot of times they're writing books and doing all the things that you've been doing for a while. When you set out to create your career, what legacy uh, then or now would you like to leave with your career? Wow, there's a lot to unpack. Well, you know, I think at the, at the beginning part, you know, we, we none of us think legacy, right? Right, because right. Because we're all uh, invincible and we're just yep. doing it. You know, yep. we're on this hamster wheel and we're making it happen. But, you know, the years go by and you want to do good work. You want to have that reputation that we spoke about before. And, you know, honestly, after so many years of doing this, uh, I still love it. I am still the guy who you know, can take the car apart and wants to get under the hood and take the engine apart. And, and that means designing, really solving creative problems. But, you know, it's come for me to be some other things, right? It's about brand consultation. It is about collaborating with other creative people on teams and being parts of larger projects, uh, which is really fun. So it just goes beyond being a designer. And, you know, it, it's about being a writer. Uh, just a couple of things real quick. I will mention that I have a second book. Yeah. Uh, this is a book called Fabric of the Game. It's the stories behind the uh, NHL's uh, teams, uh, looks, and uniforms. And I co-wrote this with Chris Kramer, uh, my buddy, uh, of sportslogos.net. Yep. So it was a different kind of collaboration. We worked on it for three years. Um, and then just the, the last thing I'll say about this part of it was, you know, we talked about luck and being in the right place at the right time. Um, in the spring of 2017, uh, I was at, uh, JFK airport, uh, in New York waiting to board a flight to Rome, Italy. I checked my, you know, it's a nighttime flight and I checked my email one last time before getting on that plane. And there was an email from uh, an op-ed editor at the New York Times asking if I would be interested in uh, writing an editorial piece about baseball uniforms. It was coming up on the beginning of the baseball season. I don't know how they found me, but they did. And I wrote an an op-ed for the New York Times, which led to Winning Ugly, (laughs) which led to Fabric of the Game. So, you know, right place, right time. Luck is the residue of design. Mm keep everything moving, never stop, you know, be inquisitive, opportunities are going to come. Yeah, I love it. What, one of the things that makes you the, makes me think of when you when you talk about this, you once said, and I'll quote, you have to have thick skin and it's humbling because any success uh, with stuff is built upon a mountain of failures. And so as you kind of leave us here, what do you have for, for young designers, right? Because some of the things you're doing, you're right, these are, you know, people, corporate America, uh, we'll call them stretch goals or, you know, really getting out there and, and seeing what the outer edge of possibilities are. What it, or are one or a couple things that you have that you've learned to to help attain the kind of success that you've been able to do decade after decade after decade? Well, a couple of things, Jay. I mean, and, and you, you hit on something which is really important, that thick skin part, which I discussed, uh, you know, and I have for, for years now. Uh, I think is mm-hmm. more um, more relevant perhaps now than ever before because especially working in sports, the stuff we do is so prominent and it is out there. And let's face it, you and I both know this. Anybody who is listening to this knows this. Uh, people care about design and creativity for sports in a way that they do not care about it for any other consumer product. Sports fans are the most passionate brand loyalists on earth 
And consequently, uh, our work, uh, you know, the, the opinions about it, let's just say it can be very vocal in public forums. You put something out there on Twitter and, uh, you know, people are jumping all over it. And sometimes it is not the prettiest thing in the world. So <laughs> right, <laughs> right. be mindful. Make it get ugly. Yeah, I was going to say, just be mindful that the risks and the rewards are commensurate. And the fact that people care about this stuff it is a it's a burden uh without question but you know we're passionate and you know i, I think just like uh, keeping some equilibrium with regard to how we take this in all of us including me uh you know we we want to be uh you know we want to be rewarded we want to know that our our work is being well received and loved and and when that's not the case just be ready and and uh and know that it's going to happen Wow. So much impact in this business. He is the author of Winning Ugly, co-authored Fabric of the Game, the stories behind the NHL's names, logos, and uniforms. You are the sports designer, storyteller, OG of this industry. Todd, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I hope you will come back because I had so much I didn't get into today. So I thank you so much. Jay, my friend, anytime I appreciate your role in helping us uh, talk about what we do, big issues, again, macro and micro. It's been an amazing uh, pleasure today. Let's keep the conversation going, and let's all keep the conversations going with each other. Just last thing, I think that, that one of the most heartening things that I have seen in attaining the status that you have uh, you know, put me up to is uh, <laughs> we, we have a community that is just yeah. remarkable to have seen grown. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, at the point in my career where I have, but when I started, there was, there was nobody else around and, uh, nobody helping tell these stories. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. All right. That wraps it up. A couple of things before we get out of here. The Sports Greatest Podcast is found on sportsgreatestpodcast.com. I'm JF Hicks. You can find me using the handle at J-A-Y, the letter F, Hicks. That's J-F Hicks all over social media and the internet. Leave a comment or a question and I'll respond as soon as possible. Let's connect. Let's connect.